Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and uh, that makes us Stuff You Should Know, the uh, Olay edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call me El Chaco. Is that your name? Sure. El Chaco? I don't know. What, what does that, that mean? The chocolate? I don't know. It probably means something bad. <laughs> Chaco. We might just look that up. Let's look up Or it, may, it might mean nothing at all. I just said, instead of Chaco, I said Chaco. I like, uh, well, it's that kind of... Um, like crunchy sandals, Chaco. No. There's a canyon. All right. Yeah, I like you're, that. You're the, the, the canyon. canyon. Yeah, from that the Anasazi used to inhabit. That, that's my luchador name. Okay. And you pronounce it correctly? It's not Luke. It's Luch. Oh, do people say Lucador? I did in my head. Did in, you? Until I looked up the... Um, <laughs> Pronunciation. Yeah, Lucha, Lucha Libre Vavum. Yes. Videos. Yes. Yeah. The sexiest of all wrestling matches. <laughs> I I just went over a how-to. Oh, okay. Video. All right. What's your intro? What? Well, this is pretty <laughs> much it. This long meandering, terrible thing. Uh, well, we're talking about Chuck, Mexican wrestling, also known as lucha libre. File this under fun. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, we're we're going to go ahead right now and promise a larger pro wrestling, um podcast Mm -hmm. i think i think we should do it yeah because there's a documentary out now um that i want to see called memphis heat oh really and it's about memphis wrestling where Uh, like jerry lawler came from and andy kaufman was involved in and Uh like like what basically gave birth to wwf what i consider the heyday sure and lucha libre is very reminiscent to me of the older days of american wrestling right which, Which I'm not into anymore. It but doesn't as go, a kid, I was. Oh yeah, man. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, the Hulk, Andre the Giant, WWF. Yeah, there was a cartoon, wasn't there? Didn't they have a cartoon? Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, I'm sure they have. Yeah. If they haven't, then they're way overdue. Yeah. Have you ever heard Jason Siegel's Andre the Giant? By no. the way, huh. dude, it's amazing. <laughs> really? He does something with his throat, and it's uh, he did it in that one movie with uh, Paul Rudd. That was actually pretty good. And then he did it on uh, Saturday Night Live recently in a skit called Andre the Giant Orders Ice Cream. <laughs> he goes into an ice cream shop and just he does up all this. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, I will definitely check it out. But we're talking about Mexican wrestling. Today. Yes, yes. Today we're talking about Mexican wrestling. Um, and to talk about Mexican wrestling, unfortunately, um, you have to go back to the beginning of wrestling, which originated in America. Uh, yeah, this kind of wrestling, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're not talking like Greco-Roman or anything like that, but yeah. professional wrestling. Yeah, started in the late 19th century in America, um, and it had a little bit of a boom. It was very serious. It was very legitimate, and then people got bored with it. Oh, really? Yep. So in the 1920s, these guys, these three professional wrestlers called the Gold Dust Trio. Awesome. Yeah, they um, because everything they touched turned to gold. Of course, they were like expert promoters. <laughs> yeah. They were like, you know what? I think we should stop taking ourselves so seriously. Let's just start making things up. Yeah. And everybody said, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, we do this in carnivals, right? It's entertainment. And everybody said, well, yeah, you're, this is a carnival act. They said, well, we know about kayfabe. And kayfabe is basically like 
keeping up the suspension of disbelief. Okay. It's made up stuff carried out as if it were real. Right. That's the whole premise behind professional wrestling. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry to break an 11-year-old's heart right now, <laughs> professional wrestling is fake. The athleticism isn't fake. Right. But if somebody, like, is, you know, really... The the guy outside of the ring is not really sleeping with the other guy's wife. Right. And that's not why they're fighting right then. Right. Right? Okay. So um, the storylines are manufactured for entertainment purposes. Exactly. But they're all amazing athletes, and they all do really get hurt and inflict pain right. m- m- many times. Right. You know, so I mean, if it's they're not bleeding, that, that's yeah. real blood. Sure. Um, but okay, well, so, no, that's not always true. Okay. Well, in a lot of cases. Yeah, they have little blood packets. In some cases. Yes. Uh, so this is 1920s when pro wrestling, as we understand it, with the kayfabe started. Within 10 years, we had Lucha Libre, Mexican wrestling. Yeah. Thanks to a guy named Don Salvador Luteros Gonzalez. That's right. He is the father of the Lucha Libre. Yep. And he started the first Mexican wrestling league called the Empresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre. <laughs> and good, uh, Thank you. And it originally came from Spain, from what I understand, too. And they uh, they called it Catch as Catch Can, and then just Catch. But then during the Spanish Civil War, I think people, uh, the, the Spanish went back to Spain, and it sort of just, the wrestlers migrated over to Mexico. Yeah. Is that how it worked? Uh, yes. Okay. The Spanish Civil War shut everything down. That's shut right. the leagues down. Yes. Um, what was that movie where that was about the little boy... And it's set during the Spanish Civil War. In the orphanage? Yeah. Uh, that was What's-His-Face, the uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo, what was the name of that movie? It was good. Yeah, it was very good. Very creepy. So, see that movie. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, Don uh, Gonzalez said, okay, well, let's just take it back to Mexico. And that's where Mexican wrestling came from. That's why it's seated in Mexico. Um, the earliest Mexican wrestlers used to go back and forth between Mexico and Spain until the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. And they said, Spain's a little crazy right now. We're going to stick to Mexico. Yeah. And not only that, we've got a steady supply of professional wrestlers from America. They're going to make up some of the earliest uh, luchadors. Yeah, he was inspired by uh, Texas wrestling, right? Right. Which I bet was pretty awesome in the 1930s. Yes. Well, I think it was, if not based in Texas, there were carnivals that were being held that came through Texas that sure. they saw. Um, and so he gave birth to, uh, what was it called? The Impresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre? Yeah, the EMLL. Which is now... The CMLL. The, yes. And this is like the uh, the WWE of Mexican wrestling. It's like the big one. Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre. Very nice. <laughs> Why do you crack up every time? <laughs> because you do. It's so earnest. Well, I'll try to, you know, be authentic. Um, so, so, Chuck, we should since since you are so into the Spanish um, pronunciation, can you translate lucha libre for the listeners? Yes, uh, free fighting or free wrestling is what it's called or translated as, and um, one of the reasons why is because you know, sort of loosey goosey. Yep. It wasn't like uh, it's entertainment and not sport. Gotcha. So, so you want to talk about the entertainment? Let's talk about Lucha Libre as a whole, like okay. on, a, on a very broad scale. Okay. The Luchador right. is the, the name of the wrestler. Lucha Libre is the wrestling. Right. And they uh, one, one of the, the biggest things that distinguishes them 
from their American counterparts is the mask. The mask is huge. And while not all of them wear masks, most of them start out wearing masks. Right. Very important to the culture. It is. Of, of their wrestling. Um, and it's a really, really big deal to not wear the mask. Like, you can't just go up and unmask a Mexican wrestler. No, no, no. They'll kill you on the spot. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it, this whole kind of uh, persona of the luchador goes outside of the ring, too. Oh, yeah. And so you may be in your local grocery store, and if a luchador lives nearby, he will probably be grocery shopping wearing his mask. Yeah, they carry that identity. Uh, a lot of times they will pass it down to their, their sons mm-hmm. and carry on the family tradition of, yeah. of the luchador. Very important to the culture. It's not just some, you know, redneck sport like it is here. <laughs> right, no. Um, not true. I'm sorry. Uh, did you like how quickly I agreed? Yes. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble for that one. We are. Um, so luchadors are, tech- are traditionally divided along two lines, the good guys and the bad guys. Or in yeah. American pro wrestling, the bad guys are called heels. Down there, they're called uh, rudos. Yeah. Rude boys or um, just basically villains. Yeah. And then the good guys, the heroes, are called technicos. Yes. And, um, yeah, you've got the rudos are often, um, like, the, I guess the spine of Lucha Libre is that it's very populist. Yes. So, like, a technico will be, like, uh, based on a superhero, a saint. An Aztec warrior. Somebody who is all about fighting for the common man. Yes, the farmers, the poor people. We are the ones who uh, will stick up for you. Right, exactly. Yes. And then the Rudos, they're like, a, they often have the uh, the character of a corrupt cop or official. Yeah. A drug dealer, a gangster. Yeah. Which I imagine, like, especially these days, if you are a, a Rudo and you're, like, portraying a drug dealer, you're yeah. probably on thin ice. Yeah, that might not be the best choice these days. No. Um, and so it's this battle between, you know... The, the little person and then the larger authority that's trying to oppress them. And then the little person, the person that is fights on behalf of the little person, tends to win. That's right. Good good conquers evil. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a good villain, because that can be played up, you know, over the years as well. Sure. I think one of these guys, I can't remember, made his career as one of like, the great villains. Uh, that was Guerrero, I think. Oh, okay. I believe. Eddie Guerrero? Yes. Okay. Uh, we mentioned the masks, uh, how important they are. The masks are, play such a huge part that they have certain matches called uh, luchas de apuestas, mm-hmm. matches with wagers. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. They are very special match, uh, matches where they will wager uh, generally one of three things, either their mask, their hair, or their career. Wow. And it can be in any combination. It can be, I bet, my mask versus your hair, mm-hmm. my hair versus your hair, my career versus your mask. I just, I bet my hair, but that's, <laughs> bet hair. that's about it. And at the end of this match, obviously, whoever loses either is unmasked, yeah. which means they're either done or they adopt a new persona and leave uh, that behind. I have heard that that's not the case. I've oh, really? heard that if you lose your mask, uh-huh. you can't wrestle masked any longer. You can wrestle, ah. but you wrestle shamefully, as Jonathan Strickland explained it to me. Unmasked? Shamefully barefaced. Okay. Well, I've seen you can adopt a new one, so I bet you someone out there knows for sure. Yes, we'll find out. Um, or if you're probably nearing retirement, mm-hmm. you would you would 
bet your career. I doubt if you would do that as like a 20 year old. Right. Um, cause it wouldn't make much sense. And you will literally have to retire at the end of the match. Uh, you will reveal your name, your hometown, and how long you've been wrestling traditionally after you've been unmasked or retired. Right. By defeat. Yes. And uh, that is the Luchas de Apuestas. And they don't do it very often, and it's a pretty heated match, obviously. Yeah, I would imagine Because so. there's something at stake. It's probably very um, very well watched, too. Yes. Uh, it's also characterized more uh, like the lighter wrestlers are more popular, whereas in the United States, the more popular guy, I mean, they're all huge. Huge, right, ripped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, luchadors tend to be uh, smaller and quicker and more agile than American wrestlers. There's a little more um, high-flying acrobatics yeah. that's associated with lucha libre, aka the and good stuff. It's like very um, fast-paced, yes. like one move after the other. That's right. Um, and also, we I wanted to mention Rudos, like the characters are sometimes um, Americans. Oh yeah, yeah. And just to get the crowd riled up, the, like the American. Rudo will um will be just this total racist and like classist. Right. And um and apparently the crowd goes crazy for that. I'm sure. So. Against that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. So uh you mentioned the main league now is the CMLL. There's also a rival league and I, I don't keep up with American pro wrestling anymore. There's there's still is it two leagues? I know there's like WWE. Or a few. We have a, a friend who moved to WWE. Remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know what the rival is anymore, though. I WCW? Maybe. I think it is. I think it is. I'm right. pretty sure. Well, they have their International Wrestling Revolution group. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. They're, that, that, that's, those are the smaller independent leagues that are also scattered about the country. But the main rival league is the Estencia Asesoria y Administración, or the AAA. Gotcha. So they have two big leagues and then some smaller independent. Like those are the cool ones. I saw some videos, and it looks like the old school American day. It's when they're in front of like four thousand people in a gym. Yeah, like just flying around. They still do that in, um, like in Memphis. Oh, do they? But it's not like four thousand people. It's like forty. Wow. Yeah. At the, uh, at the pyramid. And then Strickland also told me about um, no, like West Memphis, Arkansas, like oh. in a like a an. Basically a covered alley. Gotcha. <laughs> um, there's a play. There's this uh, group called Chikara out of Philadelphia, and they basically <laughs> they do this absurdist Mexican wrestling. Strickland told me about this, um, where like there's this guy named Ice Cream Junior, and his persona is like a clown with like a little clown hat sticking uh-huh. off the side of his head. His face is painted, and his secret weapon is a bag, a sock. Filled with ice cream sprinkles that, like, he'll throw at, like, his opponent and it just burns him like acid. And he'll, um, he'll, you know, he, there's this one great shot of it, um, of, of him throwing it on his opponent. The guy's just writhing in pain and Ice Cream Jr., like, puts some more on the mat and he goes to, like, drop the guy on it, but the guy gets a drop on him and throws Ice Cream Jr. down. And he starts writhing, like, oh, my back. It, it's really great. Why you didn't gotta, you send me this? You have to see it. I'll send it right now. Okay. Yeah. I find that remarkable. Yeah, we should post that to our Facebook page. We're we always totally say we're going to do that. But it's um, it's it's the same thing. It's just like in this fluorescent light gym with like fifty or a hundred people, and it's called Chikara. Awesome. Yeah, but it, that kind of combines Mexican wrestling with Japanese style Mexican wrestling. Yeah, it's big over there, right? It is. 
Um, and there's a, a couple of wrestlers that have kind of taken it to uh, the next level, Ultimo Dragon and Tiger Mask. Have you seen Tiger Mask? No. It's awesome. I, you know what? I think I have. Yeah, I mean, it's a Tiger Mask. Right, yeah. Um, and these guys are like the, I guess, Japanese stars of Mexican wrestling in Japan. That's so crazy. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you mentioned Lucha Vavum earlier. That is uh, a variation of Lucha Libra mm-hmm. that's pretty popular right now because yep. it combines... Wrestling with burlesque striptease and stand-up comedy, and not just stand-up comedy, like um, sp- like girls spinning three hula hoops really? at once, like a variety like trapeze stuff, <laughs> and awesome. like um, yeah, uh, just anything you can think of um, that's just totally out there. And I think it's based in Los Angeles. They should do that in the middle of a roller derby ring. It's very. I'm surprised that they haven't. And if they haven't, and they listen to this podcast, yeah. I bet they start doing it and serve tons of beer. They they suggest to best watch it that you drink tequila shots. Yeah, that's how absolutely. you best enjoy. It. I was, I, seriously, I was watching this how to watch um, lucha vavum, and they were like, "This is the uh, Rudos. This is what you do for him. Boo!" And then right. this is the Technicos, and you cheer for him. <laughs> and then you you want to drink tequila shots, but not so much that you throw up and get up on the stage because that'll ruin it. Right, right. Um, it's pretty cool. But the so uh, lucha vavum is going to be uh, in Calgary, Edmonton. There is the tie that binds this one with chemtrails. Yeah. In case you ever come across a question. It's all related. Um, on January 27th and 28th at the Calgary High Performance Rodeo, they're headlining. If I lived in Calgary, I, I would go to that. They should bring this through Atlanta. Well, normally they have it in L.A. at the uh, Mayan Theater. Yeah, and Atlanta has a, you know, a large uh, Latino population. So Yeah. And dudes like us. Yeah. That mix well with that crowd. Yes, you know? like like to do tequila shots, but not <laughs> so good. much that we throw up. No, because that ruins it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the wrestling, the wrestling itself. Okay. Uh, they have many more uh, weight classes than our American uh, uh, count their American counterparts because it was originally based on uh, boxing yeah. weight classes. Yeah. Which is great because, like you said, the little light guys can fly around and jump and do these awesome aerial moves that. You don't see as much anymore in the right. U.S. Um, and one of those weights, I was like, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to look up what the heck welter weight means. So I looked up welter, and welter itself means like wallow. It has nothing to do with anything else. But if you look up the etymology of welter weight, yeah, they think that it's based on uh, the English word welt, which means to beat severely. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's what welter weight means. It's the weight class where... The people beat severely one another. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Uh, 170 pounds, by the way, for the welterweight. Yeah. You would think the heavyweights would be welterweight then. Yeah, because they inflict more bruises. I guess not. I guess not. So, um, Chuck, there's uh, different kinds of matches you can have. You have, like, single matches. Boring. Yeah, those are not the most popular ones, um, but we need to go over the rules. Yes. They're sure. there for a purpose. Yes. So we have to tell them. Um, there's four ways to win a single match. That's to pin for three seconds. Yep. Knock somebody out of the ring for 20 seconds. Yep. To make your opponent submit, which you don't tap in Mexican wrestling. You wave or you say, referee Yeah. Like, I'm about to die here. Yeah. I want to quit. <laughs> right. Or you can um, be disqualified. The other person can be disqualified. Yeah, there's a few ways that can happen. Uh, if you take off someone's mask. That is a disqualification, mm-hmm. unless the storyline calls for it. Um, 
No weapons, so like you're not going to see any chair hitting going on. Oh, okay. That's definitely different. Uh, no groin shots. No. <laughs> and you can't attack the referee. Yeah. Why would you? Which makes sense. Although, you know, they do that some in American wrestling. Yeah, and there's that one classic clip that was at the beginning of Malcolm in the Middle of that the referee getting in front of a punch during that boxing match yeah. and just getting KO'd. Classic. Yeah. Um, also, pile driver. You're, you can't pile drive somebody. Yeah. But, like you said, like unmasking, they'll sometimes do it anyway, even though you're going di- to get disqualified. But they customarily, the the person who's pile-drived, pile-driven, yeah. um, is carried out on a stretcher to, to make sure all the kids know, right. like, don't do this at home. It's very bad. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, they certainly don't do that in the States. No. Like, don't try this at home unless you're really tough. Right. Like, they inject steroids in the middle of the ring in the States. <laughs> Not so. Uh, the referee can also stop the the uh, the brawl for excesio de rudezas, which is excessive punishment or violence. Right, which is funny because it's saying, like, if you uh, excessively beat your opponent, we're going to go ahead and give you the the, the match. Like you Oh, win. you win? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know. It's like a, well, it's like the referee stopping a boxing match, I guess. Or like a baseball game. What is that rule? I don't know. Well, there's some rule where if like the team's beating the other team by like 12 points. And, oh, like, like a mercy lead. rule? Yeah, mercy rule. Yeah, if you're up by like 11 yeah. after a certain inning, they'll yeah. call it. And, but it makes sense. I mean, like. <laughs> so humiliating. Though. Yeah. It's not like you're going to give the win to the team that lost. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Although these days, you never know. <laughs> Kids. This country these soccer. days. <laughs> Uh, like you said, the, the tag team matches are really where it's at in Mexican wrestling. Uh, and the most popular of the tag team are the three on three, uh, the trios matches. Um, the goal there, if you're going to win is to either pin the captain or to pin both of the other two guys. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correcto. Yeah. And, uh, there's two referees usually in those and there are also four and four, five on five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a lot of action going on. In the four-on-four, four, those are called the Atomicos matches, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then the five-on-five, five, the whole, like, the only way to win is to pin the team captain, apparently. Yeah, and another difference between that and American wrestling, when you have a tag team in American wrestling, is you have to literally tag each other. Right. Whereas in Mexican wrestling, in Lucha Libre, mm-hmm. if you're out of the ring, which either thrown out or you can crawl out, then your other uh, partner can get right on in there, right. which really speeds things along and keeps it exciting. Yeah. As they say. And uh, if you want to know a few moves, or if you'd like to hear the names and descriptions of a few moves, we got you covered there. Basically, if you understand what the plancha is, you understand Mexican wrestling. Okay. So basically, the plancha is where your opponent is flat on his back on the in, in the ring, um, and you're up on the ropes, and you jump on him with your full body weight. Yeah. Then there's variations to the plancha. There's the uh, tornillo, which is a plancha in which the wrestler who's jumping off of the ropes twists in midair for awesome. visual effect. Sure. There's the uh, senton, which is a plancha in which the diving wrestler lands on his back on top of the other wrestler. Nice. Um, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a couple of others. Do you want to take this? Uh, well, if you're going to headbutt someone, they're going to call that a tope. Um, and these are just a few of the moves. I mean... There are tons and tons of moves, and they're done in various combinations right. according to your, your personal flair. And they're all plancha-rooted. Are they? No, not <laughs> all of them. There's plenty of plancha-rooted moves. I saw some cool leg uh, 
twist where the guy would be on his back and get a dude like in a scissor hold with his legs mm-hmm. and then do like a, this little break dance spin move to wow. flip the guy over. That very, sounds very cool. a lot like the uh, Huracan Rana. Oh, yeah? What's that? Well, the Rana is the position where – so the wrestler holds the opponent's shoulders down with his knees and then hooks his legs with his arms, right? Oh, Pulls okay. Up. Yeah. And if you start that out with um, a uh, flying head scissor, you're doing the Huracan Rana. <laughs> awesome. As as popularized by Huracan Ramirez. Oh, that was his name? Mm-hmm. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yet another difference in Lucha Libra and American pro wrestling is in American pro wrestling, aside from like The Rock and your occasional appearance by Hulk Hogan and Rocky III, mm-hmm. wrestlers are generally wrestlers. Whereas in Mexico, they are uh, national icons, and generally they're on uh, TV, they're in movies, right. they're in comic books, yeah. they're all over the place. And that's thanks largely to um, El Santo. The king. Yeah. Santo... Um, that's not what it means. I'm just calling him the king. No, he it means... Uh, his name means uh, the saint of the silver mask. Yeah, Santo El Enmascarado de Plata. Yes, saint of the silver mask. So Santo um, was a, a technico. And um, he started, he was one of the original uh, luchadors. Yeah, in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1917, started wrestling in the 30s. Um, and by the 50s, he was popular enough that this guy named Jose Cruz came along in 1952 and said, I want to make a comic book of you. And Santos said, all right, whatever, that's cool. He said, see. And he made uh, what became... Uh, this Fumetti style. Have you heard of Fumetti comic books? No. You've seen them before. They're really unsettling and weird. <laughs> but it's um, photographs, collages, right? So there'll be like a group of gangsters following Santo, and uh, you can see the edges of where the person cut them out and uh-huh. put them together, arranged them, and then drew like speech bubbles or whatever. And so the perspective is off. The backgrounds will be drawn, but like the characters are photographs. Fumetti, it's Italian. I saw that. I didn't know what it was. You've I saw that when before. I Googled it earlier. Yeah, for this guy. That's what that. That's what that. Those those that style of comic book that awesome. Santo had, and it went for like thirty five years. His comic book um, lifetime went wow. for thirty five years, and he was also in like fifty movies. Yeah, from I think the first one was called Evil Brain. Nice. That was in nineteen fifty eight. His breakthrough was Santo versus the Zombies. Uh, of course. Um, and, uh, the last one was Fury of the Karate Experts from 1982. So he was in 52 movies and two of them were cameos. Awesome. And he acted a lot of times alongside other, uh, pro wrestlers, always masked, of course. And yeah. in fact, he was never unmasked. That is not true. Yeah, I saw a picture of him. It's kind of disappointing. So. He- not, not disappointing the way he looked, but. Ed Grab the Grabster says that there there are no photographs. Or it's there was one and it was like not publicly available. Yeah, not true. Yeah. Welcome to the internet, Grabster. Exactly. Um no, he he was actually he unmasked himself. Yeah, later in life. He went on a show um called Counterpunta. Okay. Which I think means counterpoint. Yeah. Um in nineteen eighty four and he unmasked himself on that show and then he died a week later. Really? Yeah. But he was buried in his mask. Yeah. And so was one of his acting partners, who was himself in 20 movies, The Blue Demon. Yes. 
Um, so both of those guys were buried in their luchador masks. And seriously, aside from him unmasking himself a week before he died, yeah. that man spent his entire life pretty much in that mask. People didn't know what he looked like. He was a national hero. Like, but consider that. Like, he was a wrestler, and his wrestling persona made it out in out of the ring into real life, into the movies, into comic books, and like yeah. this guy wore this mask. That's crazy. Yeah, he's handsome. I saw the picture of him. I have not seen it. Just type it in. You can find it right now. I tried, and I didn't see one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's there. Uh, Blue Demon, as you mentioned, uh, started in a bunch of his own movies as well. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, Mil Mascadas, and he was the first guy to do a lot of the uh, the big uh, aerial moves. Yeah. That's what he was known for. And he he was in a couple films, I think, with the Blue Demon and Santo. And he, tra- he was one of the uh, ones that made his name in the United States as well. Yeah, I think he was the first crossover, or the first um, successful crossover. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned the WWE, God, I hope I get that right, one of the, if not both, have, have you know, contracts with the Lucha Libre organizations, because, you know, it's big money in both countries, so right. they want to, they want to, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, Latinos living in the United States, obviously, so mm-hmm. they want to draw in that crowd, and so they try to do a little cross-promotion when they can. Yeah. Makes good sense. Um, probably the most successful uh, crossover guy was is is Rey Mysterio. That's a great name. Um, he basically brought the idea of um, lucha libre to professional wrestling in America. At least this generation that's watching now, um, and I think he's still wrestling. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we'll find out. Mystico's still wrestling. He uh, just came over to the WWE in 2011. Um, he had to change his name, though. Oh, really? Yeah, he started out in the CMLL in 2006. Um, and he, when he came over to the WWE, apparently the CMLL doesn't have the same kind of contract with the WWE that the other one does. Ah. Because they said, no, we own uh, Mystico and his mask, so you have to change your name and wear a new mask and be shamed forever, probably. And That's so he sad. said, you know what? That's fine. I'll be Sinsara. Which translates to without a face. He's like, you're still writing the checks, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, all right. Yeah. I'll be whatever then. And then you also mentioned Eddie Guerrero, and he um, he was a very uh, popular heel, Arudos. Oh, really? Who made a crossover into the WWE. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures of that guy. But he died in 2005, supposedly, of um, steroid use. Oh, really? Or it was exacerbated by steroid use. There are female... Uh, Pro wrestlers in Mexico, and they are called uh, luchadores, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they have their own uh, CMLL has their own women's division, and AAA also recognizes a mixed tag team championship, which I imagine would be pretty cool. Yeah, men and women wrestling wrestling together. Right, but that's fun. And they have the mini Estrella or the minis. Yeah, which uh, is not only for little people, but just people under five feet tall originally. Although there are some now that are like 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Well, do you want to tell them what the minis are? Well, they're little people that wrestle. Well, there's a, there's commonly a mini version of another of a larger luchador. Oh, okay. So they'll be like um, just kind of a, a – sometimes they'll wrestle together. Um, sometimes they're alter egos. But they'll be like a, like a mini version of, of a luchador. Did you hear about uh, Arturito? Uh-uh. He was one of the minis, and uh-huh. he had a he did a R two D two bit. His <laughs> name was Archerito. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And then 
perhaps the biggest way that it differentiates from American wrestling mm-hmm. is since the 1950s, they have openly supported gay wrestlers, very flamboyant cross-dressing gay wrestlers. Yeah, they're called the Exoticos. Yeah. How about that? Well, there's one um, that's really kind of large and in charge right now um, named, uh, <laughs> really, no, named Cassandra. Uh-huh. And uh, he is uh, the queen of the ring. That's what he bills himself as. He, he commonly wrestles in like a bathing suit or a bikini and pantyhose um, in drag. Yeah. I watched uh, the interview with him. He's extremely, extremely flamboyant. Yeah. And um, apparently he started out wrestling with a mask. Uh, and then said, you know, I realize I'm hiding behind this, and right. I don't feel like I need to hide. So he's one of also not only the um, probably the most flamboyant of the Exoticos, the most openly gay of them all. Yeah. Um, he's also uh, one of the rare um, Mexican wrestlers that wrestles without a mask. Yeah, and he said that, you know, the fans get behind me. He said that, you know, at first... I'll get some booze and some like mm-hmm. some things being said to me, but it's been going on since the 1950s. The Exotico uh, pro wrestler and apparently fans get behind it in a, in a country and a sport that's obviously very geared toward the macho. Right. Uh, it's pretty cool to know that they'll they'll get behind these guys and, yeah. and root for them. Oh yeah, Cassandra's a star. Robert Lamb of Stuff to Blow Your Mind told me. He's oh really? Like, you know about Cassandra, right? <laughs> well, he uh, also Cassandra was was trained. By uh, Ray Mysterio Sr. Yeah. So he is like a real legit awesome lineage there. Yeah, the Mysterios have like this whole uh, family dynasty. Yeah, that's real big. His So Ray Mysterio, who we mentioned, his uncle, Ray Mysterio Sr., yeah. um, was like one of the original luchadors. And then he also has like a brother and nephew, a cousin, that are all also very, um, they're like successful luchadors too. Pretty cool. Very cool. So I'd, I'd love to go to. I hope the Vavoom or something comes to Atlanta. Like I'm, I'm not so much into the the WWE, but uh, this stuff reminds me of the the awesome childhood wrestling that I so enjoyed. Yeah. Plus masks. Yeah, and if it doesn't come, Chuck, you can watch it on the uh, internet. And by the way, I want to correct myself. That was Eddie Guerrero, who was part of a family dynasty. Uh, okay, not Mysterio. No, but there is a Rey Mysterio Senior. <laughs> that part wasn't junior. made up. I've got some of these. You know, Lamb has uh, like five of these masks, mm-hmm. and uh, El Chipo, my band, was going to wear them for our Halloween uh, nice. party and play in them, and so he lent them to me, and I I thought it was awesome, but my drummer was like, I don't want to wear a mask. What? Yeah, he didn't want to wear a mask. I know your drummer, and he needs to wear a mask. <laughs> um, and I almost, I meant to bring one in and then kind of dip behind the curtain before we started and then just like sit down and surprise That's you. That's so funny. I left mine at home, too. Do you have one? Yeah. Strickland gave me one. What is it with those two? I, I don't know. Do they get together and you wrestle in, in masks? <laughs> you should see them around Candy Sprinkles, though. They're, they can't even be in the same room as them. <laughs> i got to see the video. All right. Well, um, that's it for uh, Mexican wrestling, a.k.a. Lucha Libre. Indeed. Oh, uh, we should probably mention Nacho Libre. I thought it was a good movie. What about you? Eh. I liked it, man. I, I mean, I love Jack Black, but he's he's. I don't think it was his best. I like Jack Black the least... That, he, he was the least part of that movie that I liked. Yeah, but with that movie, keeping with the tradition, he played a man fighting for the rights of these orphans. Right. So it was very much true to the uh, to the luchador. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I really feel like we would have gotten a lot of listener mail and we would have been remiss had we not brought up Super Barrio. 
who is a Mexican wrestler that exists only outside the ring. Oh, yeah? There's a guy who in the 80s was showing up at, um, like, evictions, uh, things like that, and, and protests, uh-huh. like um, cheap housing protests, uh, as this Mexican wrestler na- named Super Barrio. Even awesome. though he didn't wrestle, he's a big, fat guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he uh, he was a, an avenger for the rights of tenants. Awesome. And he said, like, he was interviewed. He ran for president of Mexico in 1988. And uh, he was interviewed and said, like, in 1985, after this devastating earthquake that left a lot of people homeless in Mexico, um, he was in his apartment, and he was bathed suddenly in a yellow and red light. And when it dissipated, he said, quote, I was dressed like this. And he's wearing, like, a red and yellow, like, outfit <laughs> with, like, a cape and everything. Awesome. And he said that a voice told him, you are Super Barrio, defender of tenants and scourge of greedy landlords. Awesome. So he spent at least a decade showing up at rallies and, like, you know, really having a real genuine impact for the greater good. I think I'd be way more into American pro wrestling if they had like these causes that they were behind, like yeah. defending the poor and stuff like sure, that. Sure, yeah. Instead of just, you know, I'm, uh, I don't even know their names anymore. Rowdy Roddy Piper, is he still around? <laughs> no, he was in They Live, though. So he's, he's got a pass for me forever. Okay. I don't care what he does. He, <laughs> he was in They Live, and that's cool. He's old school. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it about Rowdy Rowdy Piper. That's right. Um, and like we said, we'll do a pro wrestling one someday. We'll we'll try to figure it out. Okay. I thought about a tandem, but then I thought, nah, that's you're gonna lose some listeners if you do a Tuesday Thursday wrestling combo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about Mexican wrestling, you can type in Mexican wrestling in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. There's also um, Mexican wrestling masks for thumbs if you want to do lucha libre thumb wrestling. Really? Right there. Yeah. I gotta get some of them. Um, you can probably find those just about anywhere on the internet. Sure. Um, but you want to type in Mexican wrestling in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which brings up Chuck. Josh, no listener mail today. We're okay. going to uh, do what we rarely do, which is just ask you to help support us, not financially. It remains free. But uh, do us a favor. Go to <laughs> iTunes. Leave a rating. We're not saying leave a good one. If you think we're mediocre, leave us two and a half stars. No, don't do that. <laughs> Stay away from iTunes if you're doing that. Nah, just go and leave a rating and leave some comments. It, it helps uh, uh, our iTunes rankings out, I believe. Yeah, it, we always feel like we have beggars bowls out when we're doing this. But I know. We almost never do. It beats a pledge drive. It definitely does, Chuck. And also, we would like to announce that our, our little videos that we've been running, that we've gotten some good feedback on, on our audio podcast, mm-hmm. if you notice, they're not there anymore because we have a brand new video-only podcast yeah. called Stuff You Should Know. Yeah. Search it on iTunes, subscribe to it, and we have our little game show that we do Yeah, that's fun. Yes. And our little short one-minute things we did for Discovery and Science Channels. Yeah, interstitials. Yep. There's a bunch of video of us. I don't know why anybody would want to watch it. Hey, you never know. Um, There's if, a lot of sick people out there. If You you can also search um, How Stuff Works or uh, Stuff You Should Know video podcast RSS if you don't use iTunes. Um, and that, there's a whole RSS page of all of the ones that are published. And it will be updated every time we publish those. Yeah. So back with li- listener mail next time, I promise. Yeah. So I guess until then, um, if you want to send us a good listener mail, we're wide open, man. I mean, we are wide open right now. The coffers are empty. Yeah. Um, I mean, we get some, but it's mostly like, hi, which is cool, but they're not necessarily like listener mail 
readable. Yeah, we want, like, knock our socks off. Knock our socks off. Exactly, Chuck. Knock our socks off on Twitter, S-Y-S-K podcast, on Facebook, facebook.com slash stuff you should know, or via email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?